So, uh, everybody, thank you for joining. This is the third episode of Drugs and Coffee. Uh, today's guest is Flavio, um, CEO of Troy Medicare. Uh, this is actually our second attempt of doing this. Flavio, thank you for joining again. Um, thank you for having me. Hey, um, I'm really, we had a great f- conversation first time, so I hated the fact that we didn't record half of it. So we're going to make sure everything gets recorded today because it was uh, truly eye-opening for me on, on some of the things that we talked about. So um, first, um, I wanted to kind of give a quick um, introduction and you can um, kind of fill in the gaps. You are uh, the CEO of Troy Medicare, a new Medicare Advantage plan that's coming up. And um, previously, you had a couple of successful companies that uh, you started. So if you can just can give me a quick overview of um, what you've done before, kind of what your background is, so people um, are more familiar with your background. Sure, sure. I originally from Romania, but I grew up in uh, Concord, North Carolina. <laughs> and <laughs> that's where I um, went to school as well. And after school, I started this company with with a buddy, Matt, who went to pharmacy school at Wingate. And we started uh, iMedicare. And some of your listeners might know it's a a software platform that uh, pharmacies use to help seniors save money on their medications, oftentimes either finding an alternative cheaper medication or a uh, better plan, Medicare health insurance for them to save on average $1,200. And so we were fortunate, you know, boots on the ground started uh, that we walked into Amina's pharmacy that I think was on your show as well. It was our Mm -hmm. first pharmacy we walked in to and she uh, guided us in the right direction. Uh, Joe Moose was probably one of the uh, third pharmacies we walked into. It's just <laughs> fortunate that I grew up in the area that's in a lot of ways a, a pharmacy innovation center. And since then we grew that to over 6,000 pharmacies using the software platform and, and built relations with thousands of pharmacy owners across America and really became very passionate about the industry and, and a lot of the unfairness happening in this industry with uh, payers and PBMs. Uh, So that led me to started Troy Medicare about a year and a half ago because it just felt you see these mergers, right? Like CVS and Mm -hmm. Aetna and and Express Scripts and Cigna. And and there's just fewer and fewer plan options that are treating pharmacies worse and worse each year. And that's just not okay. You know, looking at it, we just said, look, we, we, we got to be able to do something about this. We have the technology, the data, the pharmacy network of thousands of pharmacies that, that are independent pharmacies that are getting crushed by these big plans and, and chains. And so uh, we started Troy Medicare to be that pharmacy friendly Medicare mm-hmm. Advantage plan or an actual health insurance company uh, that we like to tell people we're the health insurance company that doesn't suck <laughs> because everybody <laughs> hates their health insurance. You know, it's just ridiculous that these folks control our destiny and, and, uh, and nobody likes them, uh, especially folks yeah. uh, filling our prescriptions, doctors uh, taking care of patients. So we built that option to, to be a little friendlier, to, to be transparent, to do it right. Yes. I mean, um, 
so just want to kind of give everybody some people that might not know, they're not familiar with iMedicare. I just want to kind of go a little bit back and uh, explain a couple of points. By by profession, you're um, more a programmer kind of developer, correct? Yeah, I... Um, business, I, you had business background. Well, I grew up uh, and, and just uh, like to hack around, program different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to school for economics. And so that uh, gave me more of a business uh, insight. And um, at, uh, I worked for a university in North Carolina at Charlotte as a, uh, my title was a business and technology applications mm-hmm. analyst. So kind of combining the two has been always what I really enjoy. And, and so when I started at Medicare, I was yeah more of the tech guy and Matt was the pharmacist. But it's funny over the years he uh, he actually also was programming as well, and he became much much better than me at the technical side and the programming. You kind of flipped uh, the roles. Huh? <laughs> yeah, and I became much more interested in the business side of of healthcare, and and like I mentioned before, sort of the the uh, injustices that are happening on that side and fixing them. So in a lot of ways, we, so, we swapped roles. Yeah. So the iMedicare just was. Um, kind of improved the user experience for the pharmacist trying to help uh, patients sign up for Medicare plans and just kind of give them a quick overview of what your cost is going to be, what's covered, what's not covered. So that was the the, the benefit of iMedicare, right? And it continues yeah. to be. So It's just so complicated, gosh, for uh, anybody, especially mm-hmm. for a senior, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's a lot of options. Even though there's few companies, <laughs> there's a lot of options. So, for example, sure, you only have five companies that control it all, but each company, like United, has five or six different plans for a given area. So it's like you choose the premium or the basics or the enhanced, and each one has a different coverage of the medications, different copays, different deductible. Uh, then with Medicare, you go in the donut hole, you get out of the donut hole. It just becomes uh, very difficult for someone to to figure it out. And pharmacists are in a great place to do that because a folks trust their pharmacists more than any mm-hmm. other provider, healthcare provider, and certainly more than brokers. Uh, they see them almost every week, so there's a mm-hmm. there's a big relationship there. And what people don't realize is the biggest variable in determining your plan is your medications because that's really the one predictable variable it's hard to say if you're going to go in the hospital next year right Mm -hmm. but you can Mm -hmm. know that if you're on six maintenance medications today you'll probably be on those six the next year and so your medications in a lot of ways determine uh, what you're going to pay for your plan and a pharmacist is in a really good position to know like oh gosh looks like you're on Humalog and your plan doesn't mm-hmm. cover it, but if we switch you maybe to Novalog, uh, your plan would and it'd save you thousands of dollars over the course of a year. A pharmacist mm-hmm. is able to do that, where honestly, even a doctor might not know all the brands and alternatives and, yeah. and substitutes. I mean, I personally remember when Medicare kind of rolled out a whole Part D, which kind of tells you how long I've been a pharmacist. Um, so, I mean, I remember how confusing it was for everybody. I mean, there was a donut hole. What is that? Even the pharmacist and people were coming to us asking us about it. You know, it was really difficult. So I completely understand the whole iMedicare point. Absolutely. And 
And we're talking like now years, years later. And of course, people are still confused about insurance. Absolutely. So, um, and then you throw and, on I top mean, of that the, the sorry yeah. to interrupt, but there's a there's a whole aspect of, of the happening on the pharmacy side. Uh, your, some of your listeners might know about DIR fees, direct and indirect mm -hmm. remuneration, which are these clawbacks that insurance takes back from the pharmacy after point of sale. So basically what ends up happening is folks don't know what the price of a medication is going to be when they go to a pharmacy, mm -hmm. they don't know what they're going to pay. And the pharmacist, they don't know what they're going to get paid. <laughs> and it's, it's a little bit of a black box uh, that, that nobody except this like, you know, black box somewhere in the insurer, the PBM knows. And that's, it's mm -hmm. just ridiculous. Right. No, I mean, it, 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 it definitely is a confusing time to be in a healthcare business. Um, it's progressively getting more and more confusing. And so it seems like this was kind of a natural progression for you to go from iMedicare where you, where you saw all the, the issues people kind of running into um, because you were looking at it from a different perspective, from the data and from just the generally kind of how the flow goes. Now you're progressing into, okay, I, I need to fix this. So Troy Medicare seems like a very natural progression to, um, to that. Um, so how did it all start? I mean, again, you woke up one day and said, I'm starting a Medicare plan. Oh, no. So that's the funny thing. It's been <laughs> years in the making. Look, from, the, from years ago, we always thought, gosh, there's just got to be a better plan. Like so every chain seems to have a plan, right? Walmart has Humana. Walgreens has United Health ARP. Um, CVS, obviously, and Aetna are now one company. And so the independent folks and even the small mid-sized chains don't, don't have anybody. And in fact, the plans that are actively in the market are trying to take away their business. If you're on Aetna and you go to CVS and you fill a statin for your copay, say it's $3, when you get home, Aetna's going to give you a call and say, hey, you know, Marco, you, uh, instead of going to Amina's pharmacy, if you go to CVS, uh, your copay is only going to be $1. Or heck, we, just, we can just ship it to you mm -hmm. from mail order for free. And so a mm -hmm. lot of folks uh, leave their independence and gosh, it's a lot cheaper to go there. And, um, and so these plans are actively trying to take away business from the independence. And it's a, it, you know, just the fact that, uh, you know, when I started at Medicare, everybody told me, well, our independence is gonna die soon anyway because of what I've just talked about or because of Express Scripts. Um, and so right now we're starting Troy and everybody's, again, investors are telling me, aren't independence going to die soon? Isn't Amazon and Hillpack going to put these guys out of business? And yet over the course of this, this, this decade, independents have stayed at about 21,000 independents uh, plus another 10,000 kind of mid-sized groceries and chains. So half the market are these folks and have stayed pretty consistent. Why is that? You know what I mean? Why, how are they managing to stay uh, a third of the market with everybody literally in the healthcare system trying to put them out of business. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what, right, and, right. and the answers, they really do provide such a higher value of service and personal touch to these folks, their, their patients, their communities, that oftentimes seniors are willing to pay a little more. They're willing to go to independent because they provide, you know, not only 
free delivery, but they might have a, a driver that does a basic health assessment. You talk to Amina, the things she does in her community. Josh, uh, one of our partners recently helped replace the floors in the home of a senior, right? They, they mm -hmm. strip, you know, package, blister package, uh, they compound, they flavor. There's just so many aspects of healthcare mm -hmm. that are so personal that CVS would never I mean, do. Pharmacies itself and the whole kind of landscape is changing and it's been changing. And, you know, and, you know, I kind of hear from different you know, conversations with different people, different pharmacists, you know, they all have their opinions. I mean, my general opinion about the pharmacy field right now is that it's competition and, um, you know, some some players in the field have more power. So clearly their voice is going to be the loudest. So really what, what the reason why I'm excited about Troy Medicare is the fact that you're giving voice, giving power to, you know, the small players in the field and giving them chance to do and bill what the services they actually provided. Um, so that, exactly. that's, that's the part that, that makes sense to me. Exactly. Um, so just to kind of, I like to kind of give this example just to explain pharmacy business currently independent. As you kind of like a business owner, you will buy something at a X amount of dollars and then you sell it at Y and you take the difference. And that's the business. Everybody does that. And that's how you make profit. In the pharmacy world, independent, it's very different. You don't really know. You know what you buy the drug, you know, what your cost is, but you don't know really what you're going to sell it at because I'll, you mentioned the DIR fees and uh, different aspects of different you know, companies. So can you kind of explain that piece and how you guys with Troy Medicare improving that? Absolutely. So right now you often get paid. Uh, so contracts for uh, brand name medications are usually based off of AWP, which is average wholesale price, which people can look up. There's a whole issue of people fixing that and, and, and not being an actual, the average wholesale price. And so it's often AWP minus 15%, 17% that a brand name will get reimbursed at. And then generics, which is the most uh, popular by volume, um, they're reimbursed at what's called the MAC, which is the maximal allowable cost list, which is basically just a spreadsheet somewhere at a PBM, which is a pharmacy benefit manager that administers the pharmacy benefit uh, on behalf of an insurer of a plan. And, and so what they do is they, they literally have this Excel sheet somewhere that determines each day, sometimes multiple times a day, what the price of a medication of a generic medication is. And nobody gets to know that, uh, you know, so that's, um, there's even lawsuits right now trying to expose what are, what is it, the MAC list and, and sort of BBMs treat it as a trade secret, like the, like a Coca-Cola recipe, you know, so mm -hmm. they can't share with anybody. <laughs> this is the price of a medication. And so on top of that, so you would think, okay, when you reach the pharmacy uh, and you show your insurance card and the pharmacy bills it, then at that point, you know, what was that AWP discount price for a brand or the MAC a price for a generic. So you might think, okay, that's the price. And it is for the patient uh, whose copay might be two bucks or it might be a percentage of the total, like a 20% copay. Uh, mm -hmm. But for the pharmacist, the story doesn't end there because sure they might get paid, let's call it on a $100 medication 
their copay for a patient, let's say, is 20%. So the patient pays $20. And the insurance, again, said it's 100 So the pharmacy is now expecting $80 from the insurer. Uh, let's say they bought that drug for, I don't know, 90 bucks. So there's the $10 profit. They're getting the $80 from the insurance maybe in two weeks. So I think, oh, great, they made $10. But as you said, there's these uh, clawbacks, these DIR fees we mentioned before that are established uh, uh, fairly liberally by PBMs on how they want to track whether some metrics in aggregate or in one. But long story short, it's three months, six months down the line, the pharmacy might look at their bank account and see $20,000 leave their account. And they're wondering like, what is that for? And it turns out mm -hmm. that there was a fee for each of these prescriptions they filled over the last six months that now they're gonna take back, let's say out of that 80 bucks, uh, the, the insurer, the PBM decided they're gonna take back 50 of those. So now the pharmacy, instead of making $10, they're losing 40 on that prescription. And, mm -hmm. and they didn't even know that they were gonna lose it until six months later, right? So you're constantly living in this, in the dark, you're running this business as a pharmacy. Yeah, the money they already spent, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Now, so how? So you, so you oh, pretty so much. How, so how are we divide? So, so what we're doing yeah. is that you know what? Uh -huh. uh, we got to make this transparent, and so we're using uh, NADAC, mm -hmm. uh, which is the National Average Drug Acquisition Cost. It's a standard set by Medicaid, as state Medicaid budgets were getting blown up by this practice and other practices like spread pricing uh, from PBMs. So Medicaid enacted this benefit that uh, or this, this uh, pricing that's published every week based on significant, statistically significant surveys across the country of what drugs are being purchased at at pharmacies. So that way it's published every week and everybody knows here's the prices and they're pretty close to what a pharmacy buys a drug at. And most importantly, they're transparent. So now, a patient knows what the price of a med is. The pharmacy knows they're going to get paid. We don't have any DIR fees. We don't have any mail order option on our plan. Uh, and so, on, and on top of that, instead of uh, this is a big thing. Instead of all these reimbursements being reimbursement minus, like we talked about, AWP minus, MAC minus, we're the only one that's cost plus. So it's NADAC plus, and that's um, a ten dollar dispensing fee for generics and a $4 dispensing fee for brands, which uh, incentivize generics, which is what it should be. What you get today is a lot of folks, a lot of PBMs prefer brands to generics because the rebate dollars are greater on brands. So they actually make more money on a brand than on generic. Whereas mm -hmm. that just doesn't make sense. When you have generics available, uh, you know, we think we should incentivize the use of generics and, and save money mm -hmm. uh, for the system. <laughs> right, right. So that's, um, that's how we differ in our pricing model, how we incentivize generics, how we don't have DIRs, and, um, and we have a preferred network of uh, independent pharmacies and, and chain is non-preferred. So kind of the opposite, how we talked about with Aetna previously, how they might call you push to CVS. We're the only ones to have independence in a preferred network. Chain is non-preferred. In fact, we're the only, you know, how on your health plan, health insurance card, you have your PCP, uh, mm -hmm. assign like Dr. Johnson's your primary care doc or the first plan to also assign you to a pharmacy. So your pharmacy is Amina's pharmacy, Rx clinic. And that's where it is. That's where you go. <laughs> that's your pharmacy. And on the flip side, Amina's now, uh, in charge of taking care of your health. So she's on the hook if you know, 
God forbid you end up in the hospital, you get discharged. Well, the first thing we see is say, as soon as you get out, we need Amina to come over to your house, reconcile your meds, make sure you're good to go to make sure you don't end up back in the hospital a week later. Mm -hmm. So that's, and we reimburse pharmacies for that. And we could go into how we, how we do that, but that's, that's the idea. And the flip side, this saves you costs for another re-hospitalization or adjustment of meds, whatever the case is. Absolutely. That's huge because right now you have Medicare Part D separated. You have the drug side separated from the health side, which makes no sense, mm -hmm. right? If, if drugs are a part of your health, you can't separate <laughs> drugs and health. And so that's why we built a Medicare Advantage plan for the reason you just said, because a Medicare Advantage plan is a full HMO that covers everything, the drugs, the doctor's appointment, hospital visit, labs, the whole lot. Mm -hmm. And so now if Amina helps save a $10,000 hospitalization for a patient, well, we can turn around and share those savings with the pharmacy and no plan in the country is doing that right now. Excellent. So, so, so the NADAC plus the, the, the fee, that's the basic just for the dispensing. Now on top of that, you are also, um, paying these pharmacies, um, for, the clinical services that you mentioned, correct? Yeah. And this is important, right? We, um, thing is other plans spend a tremendous amount of money. The biggest item on their cost is acquiring members. They spend money on insurance brokers, but also on TV ads, Google ads, Facebook ads. If you're in October, if you're alive and walking the streets in October, <laughs> You will see a Medicare Advantage ad every few minutes because it's everywhere. And so rather than, we don't do that. We instead reallocate that money towards spending it on actual care for the patient through the pharmacy mm -hmm. uh, and through the primary care doc. But for the pharmacy, we, we pay them starting at $30 per member per month, which is a significant amount, right? If you have on average, say a thousand Medicare patients, that's $30,000 a month, mm -hmm. you know, that $360,000 a year for a lot of clinical services that these folks, the, the independents, like the CPSN uh, network, which you can talk about, they're already doing. So we're talking about mm -hmm. performing a e-care plan every month to make sure, and these are kind of a care coordination uh, plan each month to see where the patient's at, not just reconcile their meds, but also their health side provided we uh, as a plan can provide a some of the doctor's data, the doctor notes and claims they've been to the hospital, their lab results recently, they might pick up their, mm -hmm. their insulin, but we have the lab results to show where is their blood sugar actually at? Cause maybe, maybe they're on the wrong insulin or maybe they're not taking it for a reason that it's unclear. And so these can be addressed uh, each month in an e-care plan with their pharmacist in exchange for them doing that and taking care of our, mm -hmm. of the patient's health. We reimburse them significantly. Uh, you know, like for an MTM, I think a pharmacy gets paid uh, 20, 30 bucks a year, right? So this is, uh, this is 12 times more <laughs> than that. Right. I mean, and, and it, when, I, when I think about it, okay, you, you're giving this fair pricing. I'm just kind of looking now, thinking as an owner of a pharmacy. So you're giving this fair pricing for the drug. So I know I'm not going to lose money there. So, you know, I'm fine. Then on top of that, I have this opportunity to, to make more money, hire more people, provide service, clinical service um, on top of the dispensing. So it gives you give this sense of um, 
security so you can actually plan. Like in any business, the best thing you can get is kind of predictability. If you can get that, then you're <laughs> right. You 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 can plan. You know you know. But so this kind of gives you that kind of starting point where you know. Okay, I know if I do X, I will de definitely get Y. And that's huge, you know. Then you can focus on actually improving your clinical services exactly. and, and growing your Look, business. Look, the future is in filling prescriptions. As I think a lot of folks, even folks I talk to at other health plans, investors think pharmacies are just there to fill prescriptions, count pills, and put them in a bottle. And mm. that's just not the future. And in fact, somebody told me recently that, well, we want them to take more more prescriptions means they're healthier. It's like, gosh, well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. It's not necessarily more prescriptions that's always the answer. Yet our current business model for healthcare, the only way a pharmacy gets paid is through more prescriptions. So just like fee-for-service in the hospital gets paid by more services. And we know that mm -hmm. that's not the right way to do things. Right. So uh, for the pharmacy, uh, the future is not filling more prescriptions, but it is these clinical services getting paid for actual uh, care and value. Mm -hmm. Diversifying the, the, the portfolio of services you provide as a pharmacy is really the key. I mean, you mentioned, you know, different things, reconciliation of the med lists and making sure everything is, the patients have everything they need to, to be successful. So to me, that's, that's the key is really diversify your business as a pharmacy. And um, this helps. I mean, this definitely helps because Absolutely. you're just giving them... You're giving them opportunity to do it um, now as far as kind of the, the you know you, you're banking on the fact that these network pharmacies will will provide what they need to provide um, so you, I'm assuming there will be some way of monitoring that how it's done um, are you going to include a small number of pharmacies to bring in with and kind of grow from there um, yeah we want look we want to leverage what's already been done in this arena through CPSN is a uh, called the Clinical Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network. Mm -hmm. And it's a network uh, nationwide of pharmacies that do provide these sort of uh, extra services, like I mentioned, and they build a network of these high performing pharmacies. They also build the tech infrastructure through the eCare plan I mentioned, which is on a HL7 standard many uh, software systems have have already adopted it so that way uh, pharmacies can document these actions uniformly mm -hmm. and consistently across pharmacies and states and areas and report it uh, uniformly to cpsn and so we've um, signed a contract with cpesn to uh, distribute the payment and provide the documentation so we really want to and to empower them as that is their uh, focus to do that and grow the network and bring more pharmacies on board. We wanted to really empower them because for us, success doesn't just mean our plan is, is successful and everybody else fails, right? We're talking healthcare is 20% of our GDP. Medicare Advantage is going to be a, tr you know, a trillion dollar uh, industry soon. It's not all going to be us. So our <laughs> success is really, really demonstrating that this works. And then mm -hmm. other plans copying us. Nothing would make us happier than to see CVS Aetna say, gosh, these guys at Troy are having so much luck doing these clinical services. We got to adapt to do that too. We, we got to start paying pharmacies to do these services. Mm -hmm. Heck, CVS has got to turn around and provide these services that they weren't before. I think if we can get there, 
that just would be a tremendous change in healthcare. So again, we don't just want to be like a zero sum game where we win, but rather inspire the future uh, for others too. Yeah, I mean, that's how you kind of just took the word out of my mouth. I was about to say you're you kind of seems like you're out there to prove uh, to yeah. prove that this model will work and it can actually um, benefit right. and change. See, things nobody's ever proven it. And, and when I talk to folks, they don't they just don't believe just this morning, mm -hmm. I had a big venture capital firm, won't name who it is, <laughs> several billion dollar venture <laughs> firm said they just honestly don't think a pharmacy can can do these things. They just don't think it can happen. And so that's the that's 99% of people in the country believe that, and we don't because we, we see it firsthand with our pharmacists. It's just that they're individuals and don't have a voice. So it takes it takes proving it. And I think once the people start seeing the results, they'll mm -hmm. be so impressed that the ROI on a $30 investment in a pharmacy uh, on the health side will pay dividends because those same plans right now are paying more than that amount. Uh, for a call center in Minnesota to call patients in North Carolina and try to manage their care. Uh, ask them yeah, why they're not taking their drugs. of one member, it probably, it's through the roof. I mean, as you said, you're spending so much dollars just to marketing to acquire one member uh, versus managing the existing members exactly. <laughs> better, right? Yeah, um, they manage them with strangers. And if we know anything in healthcare, you can't have strangers do it. It's so much dependent on relationships and trust mm -hmm. that even if it's the smartest person in the world, if it's a stranger giving me a call what to, and telling me what to do about my healthcare, I'm just not going to be as receptive to that as I am with the pharmacist or the doctor I've been seeing for 20 years. Now, who are, who are the believers in this plan right now? I mean, who are your investors? I mean, who... Who's your, who are your main uh, players? <laughs> well, the folks, yeah, no, that's a great point. It's, it's honestly a lot of the pharmacy owners that, uh, that I've known over the years and, and uh, like Amina that I mentioned, Joe Moose and 80 other different investors. Most of them are pharmacy owners and a few physicians that are just so excited uh, by this plan coming to their area that they uh, invest a small amount of money each. And those, uh, those are the folks uh, that have invested so far. And, uh, and we're excited because the whole, you know, this whole started out of the independent pharmacy movement. And so it was important to, to me and to Josh, my partner, who's a pharmacy owner in Concord, uh, North Carolina. It's important to us to get as many independent folks that want to mm -hmm. invest to be a part of it because we want them to win, uh, not just uh, obviously with what you mentioned, the drug reimbursement, the clinical performance, but uh, by investing, they also win as an investor in the plan as, as this plan succeeds. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to give opportunity to folks that are able to do that, uh, to do so. Awesome. All righty. Um, yeah, so the future seems interesting for you. I mean, it's going to be busy. You, you have October 15 coming up quickly. So you guys are pretty much, um, that's going to be your first enrollment. Um, uh, that is, I'm, I'm correct, right? I mean, every, all the approvals are in, you're just waiting for the October 15th. Yeah, we tell people we were uh, the leanest Medicare plan that's ever been launched because we've done with a fraction of a cost of what other Medicare plans have done, gotten this far to get licensed by the North Carolina Department of Insurance, to get CMS approval, to offer our plan and 
they approved our formulary and bid design. This whole piece we talked about, the $30, the NADAC, all of those pieces have been reviewed and approved by CMS to go forward in um, North Carolina, this open enrollment, and test out the model. We still wanted to start small to prove out the model, not to get ahead of our skis and ahead of ourselves right. with a minimal what, amount of money. Are you only, you're only launching in limited numbers of counties, right? Yeah, we're launching in uh, four counties in North Carolina and okay. uh, then expanding from, uh, from there, uh, not just in North Carolina, but uh, outside of North Carolina, really based mm -hmm. on the folks that have invested, that have uh, supported us. Uh, some natural extensions are, we have some hospital contracts that might have a few locations in North Carolina, but a bunch of others in Tennessee or South Carolina. So that is a natural place to go next as well. Uh, but really once, once you kind of prove the model in one state, it becomes a lot easier to put more uh, wood on the fire and expand faster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, sounds good. So if people want to find out more about you and Troy Medicare, where should they go? Yeah, they can go to TroyMedicare.com and um, certainly they can email me for more information. Happy to share. Um, Flaviu, F-L-A-V-I-U at TroyMedicare.com. So I'd appreciate it. Okay. And, and I will definitely include all that in the notes for the, uh, for this podcast. Uh, uh, thank you again. I mean, we did a quick overview. I, I'll, you know, I think we kind of hit the major, the major points. Um, so people understand and they can definitely look uh, or email you, uh, about more information they have. Um, we will keep in touch. And for everybody else, thank you for, for joining another episode. Uh, please um, uh, like our page, uh, go to our website, drugsandcoffee.com, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we have YouTube channel. You can definitely follow us there. We have more episodes like this coming. And uh, again, if you have any suggestions, any people you need us to talk to because they're doing awesome things in pharmacy, please email us. Um, Flavio, thank you so much, and um, we'll keep in touch. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.